And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power. And you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have a very fascinating guest. He was the star of a documentary called Mind Control, and we're going to discuss how mind control manipulation of the human race is happening on an unprecedented scale because our technology is so far advanced. This is sci-fi times like 30 billion. I love the topics we're going to discuss. Our featured guest has a lot of great advice about how we can also become more compassionate people. So there's a lot in this particular program tonight. Before we begin tonight's show, I do want to talk to you out there, uh, those of you out there that may be struggling a little bit, struggling a little bit to come to the reality that you are a seeker. For people out there that question the social norm, that are the spiritual seekers, you probably are going to run into resistance from family, from friends, from society as a whole. I don't believe that society celebrates uh, people who defy the social norm. All the great thinkers of our times, the one that revolutionized science or other things, they were not particularly welcomed most of the time with open arms. They were chastised and some were, were actually killed. And I think the reason why is because people get so comfortable, they get so accustomed to comfort that they don't want to hear an idea that could challenge what they've come to know. I think there's this great quote, I believe it's by Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, the lust for comfort murders the passions of the soul. The lust for comfort murders the passions of the soul. I always think about that quote, and I realize that that could be a reason why some people in your life, again, family and friends, may think that what you're doing is weird. They may want to chastise you and say you're weird and you're strange and you've got you know misguided and you're just out of your, out of your mind. You're doing whatever you're doing. You're on your own path. They are on their own path. And the reality is that as long as you continue to question and continue to seek, this is your, this is your journey, your journey alone. No one can prove nor disprove what you already know. As far as convincing society to do something, I given up on society a long time ago. The only person that is capable of change is you. That's it. So... Do whatever you can. Be the best person you can. And hopefully, you, you, maybe you'll, you'll change some people. And if you don't, the hell with it. This is your journey. <laughs> your journey. All right. That being said, let us begin tonight's program. Welcoming to the program is Dr. Nick Baggage. He is the eldest son of a late U.S. congressman from Alaska. And he's also involved with this organization called Earth Pulse. I saw him on this documentary called Mind Control, and it was incredible. And he's written a lot of books, it seems about consciousness, about brainwave control, brainwave frequency. There's just so much here. And you can learn more about Dr. Beckage by going to his website at earthpulse.com. Dr. Beckage, it's a great honor to have you with us. Thank you for being with us today, sir. 
Well, thanks for having me. It's my uh, my pleasure to be uh, to be with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into a, a pretty interesting show today. Thank you. I, there is so much more to you that I did not even mention because you have all these different titles, and if I did it, we'd probably spend the first 15 minutes because you're doing so many things. So this documentary, Mind Control, I have to say it was fascinating. And by the way, anyone can watch it if you go to, I think it's pretty much sure it's on Netflix, but it's, it's on an Amazon Prime, and it just completely blew me away. It basically shows how the powers that be have made some technological advances on controlling us. Is there any possibility, because you can go into that and explain what these technological advances are as far as controlling well, the population? Sure. You know, um, the technology goes back actually uh, many, many, many decades in terms of uh, its beginnings, starting with the very roots of uh, of propaganda and manipulation uh, through just overt uh, media, uh, use of media, you know, as television and radio became prominent uh, gateways to communicate. They also became uh, portals for, for manipulation, first just by obvious things, manipulating the facts, the information, or what today uh, people want to th- throw the word fake news around, but it's been around a long time. We used to call it just simply propaganda, and and everybody does it. You know, it's sort of like um, the, 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 the elephant in the room. Uh, everyone does it. Everyone's involved in it. But then it hits a level of um, technology. In fact, uh, some have suggested years ago when I first started this work, I was really reporting on what became um, uh, more of a, a – a, ten, a technical uh, society, a technical uh, way of uh, operating uh, government. When you think of personal privacy, uh, when you think about the things that have happened um, in this arena, uh, the things we read about all the time in the in the media, uh, they really deal with uh, increasing levels of, of loss of, of personal privacy and the liberty that goes with it. And uh, what we're talking about today are technologies that go way beyond uh, propaganda, where energy itself um, is used to manipulate uh, even some of the subtle activities of human behavior. So what is it about? How are they able to do that? Are they able to manipulate the frequencies or vibrational frequencies that are emulating emitting from the planet? If we've done shows before, we've talked about brainwave frequencies. We've had Dr. James Hart on and he's talked a lot about how alpha brain waves are being utilized for people to for the good. But he also said that there are also brainwave frequencies that are utilized to control people. So, is that yeah. what where this is going? Is that what is that what they're doing? Yeah, uh, actually, you can do this pretty easily. It's through what's called a um, a frequency following response, or a, an FFR, uh, as it's referred to in the literature. And this is. Um, done by creating external signals uh, that are oscillating, uh, vibrating, if you will, um, signals. Um, Often people refer to it as simply frequency, but what you're really talking about is uh, an electromagnetic signal that is modulated or vibrated in in a specific way, shaped in a specific way, that the brain actually recognizes, and it calls, and it's referred to as this frequency following response. The brain recognizes that external signal, it begins to mirror it or copy it. And so what you see is a, uh, if you were to look at a uh, EEG, something that, that looks at brainwave activity live while it's really happening, you would see the external signal um, causing the internal brain activity to change, to modify. And when it modifies and changes, brain chemistry then changes and basic things can be affected like 
um, emotion, uh, basic emotional state can be affected pretty easily. Um, when you're, I guess, referred to as uh, to the alpha range, there's basically four primary active ranges that um, that people are concerned about when they look at brain manipulation. And, and if you think about the brain uh, vibration, if you will, or dominant frequency, or the pulse rate, if you will, um, the brain at, at, say, one to four hertz or pulses per second is in the delta state, the very deep state of sleep. A little bit above that, say, four to seven hertz or pulses, vibrations uh, per second, you get the theta area, which is um, kind of a twilight state between awake and asleep where people are when they're actively uh, participating in their dreams or for small children where they tend to be uh, dominated brain brainwave-wise uh, from three to six-year-old with a predominant theta where they're sort of in and out of what we call the imaginary in the real world, right? Because that's where three to five-year-olds kind of spend their time. And then above that is alpha where where we as adults are sort of in our zone our focus zone of learning of of experiencing and then above that the beta ranges which get into ranges that go all the way up and into gamma and more agitated ranges indicating a dis-ease or agitation high emotion uh, so you kind of cover that range and the idea of brain entrainment or frequency following response is to get the brain in a very specific state um, generally of suggestivity, if it's radio or TV, we're advertising or the basic propaganda information is being fed. If you're in a highly suggestive state, when that's occurring, your ability to be convinced, to be persuaded, uh, goes up dramatically, which is why advertising works in the 21st century and why propaganda uh, works in the 21st century. And that's really just the beginning um, of this technology. So if I look at society today, it seems that we're devolving. I, I just don't feel a lot of people are ex exercising critical thinking. I think there's a, a drop of morality. Do you think it has to do with the fact that these technologies are being utilized in the population right now, that the, the reason why people are kind of falling behind the morality, or are they just naturally progressing that way because of the circumstances, because they're economic circumstances? I think it's a combination, actually. I think those circumstances that are occurring are then exploited um, and pushed even further. The idea of of people being herded or manipulated, moved as a crowd, is pretty standard fare uh, for how this technology uh, ends up working. People are subdued. People are less active. People are more willing to go along, um, and they do. Uh, and, and you can do this uh, pretty easily. You know, if you get a population, uh, as, as ours is and most of the West is, highly agitated, um, a little bit of underlying anxiety, a little dis-ease, if you will, um, and what that causes in a population is you cannot achieve a higher-ordered thinking. In other words, the type of thinking that lends itself uh, to, to uh, really creative uh, and intellectual work is not easily achieved in a state of um, disease or anxiety. In fact, altered states, uh, higher states of awareness aren't even achievable. And this is, um, you can monitor again, uh, EEGs, look at brain activity. And what you get in states of anxiety or, or negative emotion, uh, most negative emotions are associated with flight or fight responses when you look at the brain. In other words, the activity is incoherent. There's a lot of brain patterns are kind of all over the map. Uh, brain chemistry goes wild. This state 
uh, fires the adrenals. Uh, all of it are kind of flight responses. They work with the lower brain, the part that is not quite so intellectual, not as creative. On the other hand, if a person remains calm, their breathing falls into a steady uh, a ratio, uh, their heart rate uh, steadies, the brain activity forms into these lower ranges, and people's maximum optimum creativity and intellect are capable of kicking in. And that happens when you're calm, when you're focused, when fear dissipates from you, which is a rare, rare instance in the modern human uh, these days. Even to have that sense of just relaxation, if you will, um, is is elusive uh, to most people and consequently uh, we're easily moved, easily herded, easily uh, framed, and we're framed as taxpayers, as consumers, um, as voters. Uh, rarely are we framed, as I think we truly are, as uh, as human beings uh, divinely created uh, with the kind of um, possibilities that that, uh, that, that um, you know, really entails. And I think that's what's missed in this. We miss the possibilities uh, by accepting um, a lesser possibility for our lives. And I think that's what we see in the world today. Do you think that is the result of the elites being smarter than the average person, pushing this control agenda on there? Do you think it has to do with the fact that you have a majority of maybe the people in the population that don't dare to dream or don't dare to, to dare within themselves or aren't open all these different possibilities? I always wonder if... The reason why humanity is not able to break out of the control of such a small number of people is because they don't dare to imagine, they don't believe that they deserve to be free. Or maybe the idea of total freedom is something that is so scary to them that they, they're going to go with the devil that they know, which is being suppressed. And I feel that more, more people today are comfortable with the idea of having a boot on their neck as opposed to exploring the possibility of uh, doing it on their own. So I was wondering what your perspective is. Well, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's true. I think that is um, a reflection on uh, not human nature, and I do not believe that uh, uh, the elites are smarter than us. I think they're more informed uh, than us, but not smarter. I think everyone has the potential. And and this is what we think. Uh, we lose it. you know. And, and what you said is pretty reflective of how most of us refer uh, and reflect on where we're at. Oh, they're smarter, they're better, they're more capable. No, I, I don't believe that. I think every single soul listening to this broadcast today is capable, is able to do what we were created to do. And and the trick is courage. It's really about that. It's about having enough courage to step in to what we know uh, is our own truth, to be right and true to ourselves. And I think a lot of us are, are reluctant to do it. We feel like we can't, we shouldn't, we're not entitled to, and we are. That is the one thing we are entitled to. We are entitled to try. We are entitled to create, and we are we are built that way as humans. We are built to be creative stewards of this planet and to manage what happens around us in a way that is um, spirit-driven, uh, heart-driven, as well as head-driven. And when you look at uh, what has happened from the very founding of the of the country? You know, the country when we founded it was a fight against elites. Then, it's no different today. Um, it's a different, you know, it's a different crown, if you will, that they're wearing. 
But the game is no different. It's about control manipulation, um, about keeping the population ignorant uh, and, and often um, manipulated. And it's, it is uh, elite powers, uh, economic and uh, governmental, that would like to suppress populations. That for them, democracy is not a great idea. Republics are not a great idea. Uh, for many uh, elites. And what you see in that arena is the movement towards um, at least single economic systems, if not single governments, whether it's the EU uh, manipulating their economic system through common currencies or the Federal Reserve in the U.S. or the Chinese uh, and Asian banks evolving in the East. You know, these things are, are happening because control of the economic economy uh, is is what's really at stake, and then controlling human nature as a part of that uh, is also at stake. So propaganda is used. The te technocracy, uh, the technical use of technology for government, what makes government strong? If we stop for a moment and think, it's technology, whether it's the U.S. or Russia or China or Israel or whoever it is, powerful governments have powerful technologies, which means in democratic republics like ours, we have to have a grasp of what those technologies are and how they can be used, and, and we generally don't. It's classified. It's hidden from view. Much of our government is hidden from view. Um, for those that witnessed uh, the Donald Trump uh, com confrontation with Pelosi and, and Schumer, um, you know, they wouldn't even look at the man. You know, they would not even look at the President of the United States in the eye, and they wanted to negotiate the American budget, the public's budget, in private. They didn't want to do it in public. They don't want to have a discussion in public about the public's business. And this is the root of the rot. Uh, it's not only control of information, it's in control of how we think, um, deliberate control of how we think to manipulate uh, people and push people into this herd uh, mentality uh, driven by predominantly what I think is, in fact, propaganda and, and, and really fake news when you look at how media comes at us. And if you're looking at the frequency of the elite, who maybe they had named no more than um, the average person or they're, they're, I guess they're more inclined to access the information, then you look at the other people. And if you're examining different groups of people, do you see that each group of people is oscillating on a certain brainwave frequencies that allow them to operate a certain way? Like, do the elites operate on a certain brainwave frequency? And do you think that, hypothetically speaking, the way to reduce the elites' control upon the people is to have them engage or have them be on a frequency, a brainwave frequency, where they are not at their optimal best, where they are not considered a threat? And in the same token, is there anything that the average person can do to get themselves in a brainwave frequency state where they are going to be their best, where they are going to be at the, the most optimal level to be engaged in calmness, to be engaged in creativity, and to be engaged in even courageous acts that will hopefully turn the tide in humanity's favor. You know that I believe there is, and I believe it is our nature. Um, I think that's exactly what we were, in fact, created to do. You know, when you think about um, uh, the anomalous activity of the human brain, the things that are not easily explained. In fact, the military now refers to anomalous human capabilities, the things we used to refer to as uh, extrasensory perceptions um, and other others that comes out as gifts of the spirit. You know, human beings have had these capabilities, these in, in incredible capabilities, uh, since the dawning of, of man, and they've been reported from time to time. I think really that's what was discovered. You know, when you look back on 
on the, the work that Central Intelligence Agency was doing in the 50s and 60s through the MK Ultra programs and other programs um, that we very carefully have, have documented in, in much of the work that, that, that I've written over the years. And, and what you see is um, this predisposition to controlling people and then at the same time the discovery that, hey, wait a minute, people have these latent capabilities. If, if even a few of them actually exercised them, that was a big threat to the to the institutions of of, of the hidden government, or if if you will, that fifth column sort of stashed away there <laughs> that we don't hear much about. Uh, and and for them, it was frightening because the idea that people could in fact be so engaged, so um, uh, able and capable, that scared the hell out of uh, out of the security agencies of the nation. And then they discovered the easy way to keep that from happening. And it's simple as keeping people in this constant state of agitation. In fact, you can almost feel it. In fact, you'll notice it uh, if, if the power failures fa- fails in your area, or actually in the U.S., when the power fails in your area for some period of time, the first thing that people notice is how quiet it is because you don't have refrigerators and heaters and air conditioners and things rumbling in the background. But for a moment, uh, contemplate it uh, in terms of how you feel when the power goes out. Your whole body almost relaxes uh, as you quit compensating for the external energy fields that surround us every moment. You know, there is over three or 400 million times more radio frequency energy alone around us than nature created a little over 100 years ago because man has added so much into the system. We don't even perceive it. And yet when you shut it down, your whole body is like you're exhaling. Your whole body relaxes. And and you no longer feel that underlying stress, which is stress, that if you looked at your EEG, it would show up as brain stress because we're constantly compensating for what I call the noise in the background of the room that we no longer hear. And that's it. Um so when you think of modern society, uh, just traveling for the last uh, three or four weeks before we went on the air, I mentioned, and I, you know, I come back to my region of the world, and it's quiet here. I mean, we have all of the modern conveniences, but co- that background noise, man, is it quiet here in Alaska, where I live. When, when you get back, it just your whole body senses it. At night, when it's quiet, and it actually is quiet, and you don't hear cars rumbling in the background or jets in the background or any of the modern noises that you hear, it is a big difference. But it's not just the senses of hearing. It's the entire body relaxes against the background radiation. You know, when you think about um, G5 coming or 5G coming out, this is a, a pulsed EMF a pulsed electromagnetic situation in which it's going to be put worldwide. A pulse, um, electromagnetic fields are the ones that are biologically active. A lot of work has been done on this. We're going to see as this moves forward uh, in this generation, you're going to see some of the biggest <coughs> lawsuits dealing with electromagnetic radiation for its physiological, physical effects, uh, and eventually uh, this issue of mental effects, because emotional state is relatively easy um, to manipulate. And what is now happening is, the again, the resolution, the capability of being able to monitor external brain activity, looking at the um, energy emanating from the brain 
is being researched by DARPA and other military institutions uh, to be able to literally read the thoughts of an individual and then reconstruct complex that? signals. Well, it's it's a matter of interpretation of the signal, and it's a resolution question. Uh, the higher the ability to sort out those signals and interpret them, um, the more able we are to, to to make those interpretations. And so they're, they've got two contracts that were let now over five years ago in Southern California, to the University of California, one to monitor and look at that brain activity, try and interpret it, and then the other to create complex signals where you could take um, literal thoughts and then send them back into another uh, human being as a method of communication and, and manipulation. And this is what the Air Force is calling um, controlled effects through their electromagnetic directorate at Brooks Air Force Base. They're developing technologies to interact um, directly with the human brain in this way that I'm describing to affect uh, all of the human senses, touch, test, taste, smell, uh, etc., in such a way as to even be able to create co complete um, illusions uh, uh, in terms of technology. And they actually wrote about this in a publication called Technology Horizons produced by the Air Force back in 2002 in the, in the reference of not just human brains, but also being able to manipulate um, and create bit errors on computers, being able to use energy systems really to, over, to overlay each of the electronic components of hardware and then eventually um, the uh, electromagnetic manipulation of, of human beings through the same systems. That's incredible. And is that, would you consider this to be a biological matrix? Because I love that movie, The Matrix, and I almost think it was like a prophe prophecy like that in The Terminator. I think those are two movies that were like created in order for us to realize what path not to take. And I feel like we're going exactly in the same direction that this movie's told us not to go because we have killer robots right now. And it seems that this is a biological matrix. If you can control people's sense of smell, taste, what they hear, I mean, do you not control and dominate their own reality? Well, and this is uh, um, more, more or less what we're talking about, I mean, in terms of where the technology goes. It is about uh, controlling uh, uh, people ultimately, but the fact is uh, we have these latent capabilities. In other words, we have these uh, creative capabilities that are suppressed uh, occasionally, someone shows up and says, "Hey, wake up! You know, you're more than what you think," uh, and, and and we relegate that um, uh, to religion. But you know, religion uh, maybe is the forebearer in certain respects of, of scientific knowledge. Uh, what we don't understand, um, we still keep in that realm. But eventually, we we do gain an understanding and knowledge, and uh, hopefully, the wisdom to do something right with it. Uh, not always the case, uh, and I think this is um, sort of the great uh, temptation. You know, man tries to emulate uh, nature. Uh, that's what we do when we fly. That's what we do when we go under the sea. Um, and and I, and I don't see it any differently in this area. You know, we try to emulate and duplicate. Uh, but basically, the big message is we all have these capabilities. We have the ability. Um, uh, and our founding fathers saw it. You know, they saw the individual as central uh, to government, not some squishy collective, but a group of individual sovereigns um, created in the image and likeness of God to do something um, remarkable in the world. And I think um, we all have that capability. I truly uh, believe that. I, I know that in uh, 
in my experience as I walk through the world and see what actually does happen. When I think of government, I have three generations um, of my family have been involved in government from the local to the uh, national and even international uh, levels. And, and what I can say is uh, that the nature of our culture right now, we are at the very crossroads of where our technology is either going to take us or we're going to take it. Uh, when you think about some of the big controversies happening in the world today about uh, things like uh, uh, Facebook and YouTube and Google and what they're doing in, in China in order to gain access to those markets, you know, they have to make their systems not only accessible uh, to the Chinese government, but they have to be able um, to use that information for the social profiling that's taking place, which is also a method of control. I mean, a, a really dark method of control. I mean, it's 1984 on steroids, you know, I mean, I the, the Chinese are going out and they're well looking at all, like the all of, yeah, all, they're looking at all of the behavior of the Chinese people. And then they're giving you a score, like a credit score. That's going to determine whether, what kind of job you have, where you go to school, whether your kids get an education, whether you can travel, whether you get a passport, where you live, everything about your life. And the Googles and the YouTubes and the Facebooks have made it possible for the Chinese to do this. At the same time, to get into markets um, like India, you have to have transparency as well. And so they've built their systems to be transparent so they can use the data for political purposes in this case, for manipulating people politically. And then those same overlays, because these guys who run these companies aren't, aren't stupid. They recognize, wow, if we have all this information, we can use it for governmental and political purposes too. In fact, we can use it for our consumer purposes too. And we can sell that data and make a lot of money and manipulate people based on their patterns and trends and uh, profiles. And that's exactly what is happening. And so they blame, they point the finger at Russia and say, oh, you guys have interfered with our elections. Let me tell you, uh, the Googles and the Facebook are interfering with the lives of billions of people around the world in order to accommodate uh, governments' intrusion into those billions of people's lives. And now they have those same analytical tools at their disposal for other governmental and political purposes, and they are using them. They are using their power to control the flow of information by limiting who gets to speak and where they sit on the speaking platform, so, so to speak, and who gets to hear them. This is uh, the biggest manipulation ever and done by private organizations, not subject to Freedom of Information Act requests, not subject to uh, compelled uh, honesty because they're lying to the Congress every time they show up about what they can do and they keep getting caught. And the fact is they are the threat to democracy, these companies that now control so much of our communication and media flow. Okay, well, you said we're at the crossroads, and it looks like, based on where we are, based on the fact that I guess most people are even aware about this, I mean, uh, people can go, go to religious services and take on some of those ideas, but they're not going to take on the idea or, or maybe may not embrace some of this idea that you know, a small number of people are controlling the world. Where do you see, what is your prediction as far as where we go next? I mean, we are at the crossroads, but based on what you're seeing right now, are you hopeful for a beautiful future 
or do you think that based on this current trajectory, we're going to go towards the path of a one tyrannical world government and we'll destroy this planet? I think I think we're headed uh, on that on that path. I'm still an optimist about it. I, I really okay. do believe in the uh, nature of human beings to overcome these things. Um, but I also believe that trauma is what drives us. You know, unfortunately, um, traumatic experience is what shapes so much of who we are um, and who we become as individuals and as a nation. And so when I look at sort of where we are on the thermostat of change, uh, we are sitting, again, it uh, doesn't take a lot of people. It just takes a few uh, that decide to act, that have the courage to act um, on what they believe to be right, right and true. And I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about taking actions to engage our creative capacity uh, by acting, stepping into it. And this is a very simple thing. And I think trauma drives that. I think we are in uh, for some very difficult times, individually and collectively, and that's what's going to usher in uh, the potential for change. It can swing either way. Um, but, but my experience, at least in, in this country, is Americans, we tend to wait till five minutes to midnight. <laughs> you know? and, and when the fire is raging and the, and the bombs are going off, we go, okay, all right. All right, now it's time to step up. <laughs> yeah, and we do it, and we do it, and we do it well. And I, I do believe that human beings will step into the power that we truly are, that we have at our essence, and begin to act on it in those in those trying times. You know, in fact, um, uh, at the beginning of the pro program, you mentioned my uh, website, and, and I want to mention a video that's on that website. It's called Breaking the Zombie Trance, and I, and I hope it's still uh, there because links keep getting broken and falling down on that particular one. But it's one about transformation, about what it takes to truly change and to, and to move away from uh, this this place of polarization that so many Americans and others around the world are finding ourselves in, where the media tries to paint us as good or bad, right and left, up or down. I mean, whatever the labels are to keep us polarized and fighting with each other. And most of what they have us fighting about are social issues and issues that will either be decided exclusively uh, by the U.S. courts, uh, not by uh, necessarily legislation, and also uh, things that don't really affect us every day. Well, the major issues are literally hijacked from us, um, right out from under us. And and I think that's where the American public is beginning to uh, awaken. Uh, the idea that we can be different politically, that we can be different socially, and still um, have a discourse, a conversation, that's what's being lost also in this polarization. We're losing the ability as Americans to engage in a conversation with each other. And that I think we need to preserve. Whether we find the other guy's words repugnant, disagreeable, uh, uncomfortable. We don't have a right in America to be uh, not offended. Actually, it's kind of required in a free speech society that we are going to be offended from time to time. That's what I wish more people would realize, that you know, part of that hearing a speech you don't like and defending it, that's, that's what it's, it's American. And I just want to bring to everyone's attention again, Dr. Beckett's website is earthpulse.com. There's an entire section called Mind Control's Reference Articles. I've gone through them. They're amazing. And I don't want to um, – when we're talking about 5G, I just want to bring one thing to your attention. is that reading one of your articles, is not 5G one of the abilities where the governments are able to silence people by you know, doing something to physically harm their bodies? Do you think that's why the 5G towers are there? So if the government at any point in time really sees a genuine threat that they can you know, harm people across the world by sending out a signal? 
Well, you can do it with any any electromagnetic field. 5G becomes more interesting because you can direct it at a specific instrument, you know, a specific person, if you will. You can okay. direct it um, regionally because it's tight, you know, in a certain area where it's being broadcast. But any electromagnetic field, you can oscillate or modulate and carry a secondary signal that has a lot of information embedded in it. And so whether you're using the power grid, uh, RF, radio frequency broadcast. In fact, there was a study by Persinger at Laurentian University in Canada where just oscillating a magnetic field in the environment that created a sense of disease or agitation. And then you could do something really simple. Just run the normal news broadcast, you know, and send your propaganda feed, your word feed in that maybe points to a certain group as being responsible for some horror or some bad thing. And then all that agitation that you've kind of pushed out into the world, if you will, gets redirected. People tend to vent it then on what the villain on the news. So you can do something just as simple as that. You don't have to actually go in and alter a person's thought. You just change your general attitude and give them the normal news feed. And away you go, right? Now the Arabs are the bad guys, you know, or whoever you want to name as your current enemy. And and that's really a lot of how it works. And then all of a sudden you're caught up in the emotion of it, and the emotion takes you, and away you go. That's the trick of control, and it's also the trick of non-control. When, when, when you feel that anxiety, that stress, or any emotion rising in you, the simplest method of control is to pay attention to it. Most people don't. They're just taken by it. They get angry, they get taken by the anger, and the actions follow. If a person stops just long enough to say, I'm angry, and recognize that, at that very second of recognition, they're in control. At that moment, they can then choose. Nope, I'm not going to act. I'm just going to feel what I'm feeling and let it dissipate. That's control of your emotion. That's control of your direction. And that keeps your brain from falling into that primitive reptilian state of the lower brain and keeps you in that state of functioning um, in the higher brain where you actually deliberately control your outcomes and your emotions as they come from you naturally and recognize them. And this is a big issue because so much of advertising, so much of propaganda is, in is intended to excite the emotion. Even gaming, you know, the gaming that kids are all wrapped up in. You know, they actually use three-dimensional MRIs. They look at the brain actively when people are playing it. And then they modify the game because their objective is to use light and sound frequency, if you will, flashing and flickering light and oscillating sound waves, you can do the same thing. You get to then stimulate certain portions of the brain. And when you're looking at them with that MRI, you go, oh, wow, if we do this, then we get the same brain parts firing that are, that are associated with sexual orgasm, with addictive behavior. And guess what? You get the same chemical reactions. And so you create addictive behaviors around gaming because you're hitting the same brain centers as a person hits when they're having orgasm or when they're involved in, in, in drug addictions or alcohol addictions. So you become literally addicted to the game. This is how sophisticated the science is. The same is true with advertising. Looking at the effectiveness of advertising in the same manner. Oh, that's the center that's associated with satisfying feelings of, of success and you know all those good things that release chemicals in the brain that, that then gravitate you towards whatever you thought 
uh, was associated with that brain activity, which is the product being promoted, or the government official uh, running for office, or whatever. It's that simple. And so engaging the thought process, not just the emotional engagement, is again an important part, because this is what's exploited by those manipulating you, is to trigger your anger, to trigger your anxiety, or to trigger those things associated with behaviors um, that, that that most people find um find good and so there there you have it it's really quite simple um the key to control is managing your emotional state and if you look at what's happening with media it's all about making people angry at one another and then venting that anger in some way it's incredible i do feel i mean i've been looking at this stuff about adrenal fatigue syndrome i've seen that a lot of people have it. i have to say i think i have it sometimes because i'm I'm constantly stressed, and I'm, I'm in a fun. I'm, I love my job, but it's it's fun, exciting, stressful. But I see it happening. I see a lot of people experiencing that. And one thing I remember reading through your work and watching this documentary, The Mind Control, you talk about the dangers of quantum computing. Can you please talk about what quantum computing is and why it is such a it could be a potential threat to enti- the entire world as we know it. Right. Um, quantum, uh, quantum computing, uh, I had talked about uh, qu- quite a while ago in this context because, again, um, when you look at what's happening in, in uh, computer speeds, uh, computer speeds today uh, are running where you could take the entire population of the planet, give them a hand calculator, do a calculation every second for probably now a couple hundred hours. Okay, And you would do what a supercomputer today does in a second in a second. Okay, now, the quantum computers we're talking about, now imagine that supercomputer that I just described with all those humans running those calculations for hundreds of hours every every minute to do what the modern computer does in a second. Imagine that computer running for a trillion years and a supercomputer of the quantum nature would do the same thing in one hour. Whoa. Now, what, is, what does that mean? That means that there isn't a, uh, a computer system with a security system on it that cannot be hacked. Okay, everything in the world would be hacked um, within an hour uh, or so. Uh, the entire system would be in the hands of those who control uh, quantum computing at that level. That's why it's a race because whoever controls that controls all of it. Uh, everything connected, they got a handle on it. Now, when you lay that on top of AI. Artificial intelligence, which already today is uh, are, are like we're talking about uh, robots that can wage war. We're talking about robots that are self-replicating and self-repairing. In other words, they don't even need the repairman anymore. They don't even need the technician. And already the kind of coding that AI is capable of developing, the kind of computer codes that they write, um, artificially, these machines are so complicated and so sophisticated that human beings cannot break them down. They cannot decode them. Stop for a moment and think about it. That's where we are right now that we know about, okay, that isn't <laughs> classified, all right? Because I, uh, I believe this uh, level of computing is already there. I think we already have it um, on some level. Uh, that the, 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 the steps to perfection are just moments uh, away when we think of time. And when you think about... Um, one of the other components uh, feeding computing is uh, really energy and power, um, and what we have uh, for that uh, coming is superconductivity. And when you start laying these 
technologies, these breakthroughs, these are going to be similar to when people invented cars and airplanes or lasers or any other uh, major invention that changed the earth, whether it was atomic weapons or uh, uh, or high grades of steel for swords. What we're seeing here is the same kind of revolution that will be fundamentally different than anything else because what we're talking about are technologies that affect consciousness at its core. Um, the idea that we're replicating what the human is capable of with hardware and machines, um, but what we're missing is the fact that we can do this. The most powerful quantum computer on Earth is sitting between every human being's ears. Um, if we could figure out and believe and understand what our brain was capable of and what we were capable of, we would begin doing it because the suspension is uh, the belief system of humans um, coupled with our own uh, willpower and our choice choices. Um, this is really the, the hidden message in all of it is we are beyond the technology if we recognize what we are as the most sophisticated biological machines. Uh, these carriers that we call our bodies uh, are phenomenal in what they do, but what our consciousness can do within these bodies is pretty phenomenal too. That's what uh, the military discovered in much of their research. Uh, that's what scared the hell out of them, uh, when in fact it should have been the recognition of what our founding fathers saw in the first place, which is the true sovereignty and power of the created individual soul functioning in the world today. And that's the thing that we've lost. That's the message we lost from our founding fathers. We need to reclaim because it is the foundation of our liberty. It is the foundation of the very freedom that we speak about in this country, and largely we have forgotten. So well said. And when it comes to the human being, the human consciousness having, you know, the capability of going beyond supercomputing. I'm wondering if the human brain has only a finite amount of storage or only has a finite amount of capabilities that it can do within a given lifetime, does it have to, does a person have to basically become or be more in touch with their spirituality or realize the fact that they are part of an infinite consciousness and become one with that and have access to that and facilitate as much of that infinite consciousness within their human bodies as possible. Is that a is that the path to outpacing the supercomputer? I, I think I think it is the only uh, answer and the true answer in all of it. And in fact, um, I, I would say it's not something that we evolve to or grow into. It's actually something we simply remember we are. Um, it's not a case of getting something that we don't have. We have it all. We each have it all. It's a state of remembering and then recognizing and then acting on what is right and true at that point that we can accept as our belief system. And that's what shapes us. That's what determines whether we go forward, stand still, or go backwards. And, and it's a question of recognition. And I think this is, um, this is simply it. Uh, we get lost so easily. Uh, you know, the, the form of freedom that we think we have today is really a form of slavery. I mean, the idea I of of getting up in the morning, jumping in your car, going to a cubicle, doing your thing, coming home, zombing out on the TV for three hours, and then going back to bed and starting to cycle again um, in order to carve out two weeks of freedom each year or to carve out some fantasy retirement that's going to happen 20 or 30 years later. 
We need to live in the present moment and take action in the present moment as if it's not just our first moment, but also our last moment, and not in a sense of desperation, but in a sense of recognition. We are more than the physical form. We're a soul locked in a physical form that we call the body, but it is not us. Think about this from this perspective. Every cell in the body, approximately every seven years, is replaced. Think about yourself as a three- or four-year-old having your thoughts and what memories you might have of that stage, and then look at the pictures of your physical form. There's not a cell in you (laughs) that was there, you know? I mean, you are not that body anymore, but you're still that person, and that person is the soul within it. And and I think that's uh, the, the big message for this age is remember what we are and then begin acting like it. You know, you... You look around, I look around, I see a lot of people in the name of religion hating each other and screaming at each other oh, and failing yeah. to recognize the root, especially the big three, you know, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. You know, you, you look at the big three, and they all say the same basic thing, you know, that we are creating the image and likeness of God. We're divinity on earth, and we should treat each other this way. And I, I mean truly treat each other divinely, which means respect which means listening, even when we don't agree. Um, and if we don't agree, you know, people listening to this broadcast, pretty easy, just change the channel. Don't tell me what to say, just change the channel. Um, that's simple enough. And I think we need to recognize uh, that aspect of, of freedom also is we have a right to change the channel, but not the right to silence another person's speech. I completely agree with you about that. And if we are all, let's say, infinite consciousness, or we come from a divine nature, and that means that the people that are controlling the elite, which means that they, they come, they, I mentioned they, they would have some, you know, come, have divine nature as well. Why are we headed here? Why, do, why is humanity taking this weird, twisted turn if we all have the capability of doing wonderful, if we could all have this golden era on this planet? Well, I mean, why does it have to be the way it is? Well, there's a certain amount of fear, of fear. you know, those, those that have been doing things that uh, the public would not like. Now, contemplate this for a moment, you know, um, uh, telepathy, which I was alluding to, the electronic version that the government is working on, you know, the idea of reading people's thoughts. Um, I've had some experiences, and I've seen some of the literature as well, that tell me this is a very real thing. You know, people can really do this um, at a pretty high resolution, you know, and most of the people that can actually do it aren't in some circus sideshow. In fact, you'd never see them. They're totally invisible in our culture, but they're around. And from time to time, you'll you'll see the literature on them, or you'll see some report. But this is a pretty fearful thing from government. You know, you don't have, if you've you got a truly transparent government, and we looked into what our government was doing, uh, there would be a lot of people in prison. Okay, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> That's prison. Absolutely. All right, because here's a government that openly admits that it kidnaps people, tortures people, digs through mail and blackmails people, extorts from people. Uh, you know, all these felonies are in our name, you know, because we're a government of and by the people and for the people, right? So our government reflects a felonious series of actions that somehow are done in our name, and these are the ones they openly talk about. What's really going on is worse. If people understood how much interference, we've interfered with every election over the last 70 years in the world on some level, every single one, by interference. And when it doesn't go our way, we have the ultimate interference technique. It's called regime change. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you want to talk about yeah. interfering with an election, try regime change. That's where you, we used to just simply call that the declaration of war. 
All right. We don't declare war anymore. We do these little policing actions and the Congress doesn't stand up and do what the Congress is required to do, declare a war or not. All right. And and these policing actions that cost us trillions and trillions of dollars, you know, the five point six trillion dollars we spent in Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria, you might as well throw the money down the toilet. Now, with that same money, we could have bailed out the banks twice and paid off the student loans in the country five times. Now, if you had paid off every student loan in America instead of paid off the banks, I guarantee you that money that was going to the banks in the form of interest predominantly would have flowed into the economy in in the, in the way of home buying that a lot of college graduates can't do anymore. It would have gone into consumer spending and other things that have been pent up because they're paying loan payments. And instead, we bailed out bankers and corporations, and those corporations got solid again and then uh, promptly started dismantling their factories and moving them overseas, like GM, moving them all to China, even announcing it while they were being bailed out at the same damn time. And here we are, paying it gleefully and happily in the name of democracy, which is not democratic, is not a democracy at all. No, I agree. Um, is, it's a total manipulation of the American public for someone's commercial benefit that is not yours and mine. And this amount of money tied up, we could have endowed the nation you know, with a road system that would have been perpetually built out of just the interest earned on that kind of money. But remember, we're paying on that money, every one of us. And now the bankers are jacking up the rates for the rollover of all those notes. See, because the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor governmental. It's 300 consortium banks that are now jacking up the rates, crashing the stock market, and blaming it on Donald Trump, when it once again is the bankers and the elites who don't like the guy because he's not playing ball in the same way that the last few have. Well, I'm waiting for the big crash. Peter, we did an entire show about the coming crash with Peter Schiff, Jim Rogers, yep. and they're all saying that at this point that there's just too much debt and it's got to get liquidated. So I wonder when that happens, if that is going to be the watershed moment where the elites either completely take over or that trauma forces people to look within themselves. And quite frankly, I don't know if – I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that the people, the small number of people are very committed. The large number of people, I don't know. I wonder what, what is your prediction? What do you think would, would well, happen? The last revolution, according to whose literature you read in this country, started with 3 to 6% of the population thinking that was a good idea, and it seemed to work out just fine. Uh, I don't think it requires an emer- a, a, a majority. In fact, I would say this. Uh, I believe that the American public and the public at large, people at large, are starting to recognize what we truly are as human beings. When we step into the humanity and the divinity of our humanity, Things are going to change because then you find the power of what you are, what you were created to be, to be an engaged individual wherever we are, whether it's the simplest things, uh, they need to be done. And, you know, this is the thing. If building your plan is creating anxiety, then your plan is too big. Step it back. Do what you absolutely in your heart and soul know you can do. And if it's as simple as having a conversation or it's as simple as walking down the street and giving a human smile that's real to the person standing next to you, try that. And, you know, it's amazing what simple things can be done. I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple really clean examples. I was traveling for the last month. I'm in a restaurant. I'm observing what's going on around me, and I see this ballet dance of management and cooperation between a crew of people. 
So I observe it. Now, most people make the observation. They have good service, whatever. They enjoy it. They leave a tip and they walk out. I don't do that. You know what I do? I ask for the manager. And, of course, whenever you ask for a manager in a restaurant, everybody freaks out because usually it's bad news. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I make a point of telling them, hey, this person, and I name them, did A, B, and C, and I appreciate it. And you know what? That little act of human kindness delivered to someone that deserves it when it comes time for the promotion or the raise, and it's between person A and person B. It's that event, that human event of someone taking an action that matters to that human soul, and you do something really cool when you take an action that supports what you believe is right and true, even those very, very simple ones. And, and we can do them every day. And maybe you're walking down the street and you smile at that person and say good morning, and that person that you smiled at was on their way to blow their brains out, and you stopped it by that act of kindness. They said, you know what, I'm not going to do it today. And instead that person goes off and invents the next cure for cancer. Who invented that cure, the person rendering the smile that saved that human's life or the one that cured cancer? I would say the interaction was equal in the sight of, of the universe. It wasn't big or small in the sight of everything in this universe. They were just important actions taken because they were the right ones in the moment. We can all do that. Do that when you're in your most stressful situation, your most bummed out situation. Do something contrary and take an act of kindness towards another soul. Reach out to them and you will be surprised at what the universe does. Because those ripples in the pond of life change the universe, and we can all take them. What the elite is most interested in is keeping us in fear and failure to recognize the very simple acts of human kindness are the acts that take us to a different place. We need to act on what we believe in, in the small things, and the big things become easier to act on, and we find our courage again. Dr. Nick, back at you. I want to thank you so much for being on our program today. I thought this interview is absolutely riveting. I love your perspectives. You have so much great advice. You can learn more about Dr. Beckage by going to his website at earthpulse.com. He's got a couple of really great books, Book Earth, Rising 1 and 2. And he also has this really awesome product. I can't wait to try it. It's this USB um, thing for your eyes, and it's just fantastic. But, uh, Dr. Beckage, thank you so much for being with us today, for being a hey, advocate. Thank piece. you for having me. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our featured guest, Dr. Nick Beckett. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beards. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.